Hey, it's Kathy. I'm so excited because, drumroll please, doors are officially open to my program, The Abundance Method. I have been wanting to put this program out in the world for two and a half years. I've been working on it behind the scenes, and this is my signature program. This is the program that is going to teach you the method, the framework for how to become a master manifester in your life. Why is that? Because everything is vibration. We live in a world that is atomic. That means the world is made of atoms, which is energy. 99.9% of every atom is energy and less than 1% particle. So in order for us to manifest in our life, we need to become the highest vibe possible and to sustain that. This program is going to show you how to meditate and how to set your day on the right track so that you have a practice that can help you project your amazing energy into the world, which will bend the 3D, which will help you manifest in ways that you won't even believe. This is a transformative live 10-week program. It is designed to help you on this journey of spiritual awakening. It's going to give you tons of tools. I'm going to show you how to change your energy, master the manifestation once and for all. This is the first program of its kind. We're actually trademarking all of this framework because it is something that is so unique. And I think you're going to be so excited about learning it. Also, there are some bonuses right now. If you sign up before May 10th, you'll be getting a physical abundance box. Plus, you're going to get an exclusive podcast so that you can be listening to this program. If you can't make the live Zoom calls, we can give it to you on a track so that you can be listening to it like you do a podcast. Also, you're going to get a pack of 10 meditations from me. And you're going to be getting a training that I just gave a workshop called Permission to be Rich, one of the best workshops I've ever done, which you will love. And there is a platinum level to this program. If you choose the platinum level, not only do you get extra coaching calls with me, you also get extra mentor support, but this is really cool. You also get a retreat included. My retreats are normally $3,000. You will get the retreat for free included. Plus, you will get a front row seat at that retreat because you will be on the platinum VIP track at the retreat. All of this is here for you. I'd love to see you in this program. I want to see you tapping in, turning on to that electricity within you so that you can find your way to the life that you were born to manifest for yourself. You can join us now at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait. Get on in there. See what all the excitement is about. It's going to be so much fun. You know, the thing is that photography made me feel most alive that, you know, I can never feel. If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show. Don't keep your day job. My name is Kathy Heller, and I'm a singer-songwriter. I make a living doing what I love, and I want that for you. This is the show that's going to help you do that and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies. This is going to help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Blue Apron. Go ahead and check out this week's menu, guys. You're going to get three meals free. You're going to get them free with free shipping. Just go to blueapron.com slash dream job. You're going to love it. I'm telling you, it's really, really cool. It tastes good. It feels good to have somebody bring you home-cooked stuff, and you're going to be able to prepare it easily. Go to blueapron.com slash dreamjob. Check it out. Hey, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I love you. This is such a mutual admiration society right now. Thank you for reviewing us on iTunes and coming to the Facebook page. This has really become a movement of people who are truly sincere in wanting to do something good in the world. You've got that whisper inside. You want to create something. I want to help you create it. And it's 
it's, it's going to be a, a team right now of all of us coming together and helping you be accountable and do what you love to do. And it's really exciting. You know, my producer, Tim Street, he sent me an article this week and it just kind of like knocked me off my feet. It was incredible. It was talking about what is it that people regret at the end of their life? What are the things that come up? And I was just so taken by it. And this woman who's worked in palliative care, she's worked with people as they're dying. I mean, it's not a pleasant job, but it's it's a beautiful thing to really see and to look back and to understand what is it in people's lives that they regretted. And she put together this article and she was saying the biggest regret people have is that they don't live their life for themselves. They don't do for them what they really want. Instead, they decide that it's not going to happen, it's not practical, or that someone else needs them to be something else. Someone else wants something else from them. And so they look back and they, they, they remember when they were healthy. They remember when they were young and when they had time, which is the most valuable commodity you have. And the stakes are so high. Do what you love. If you truly want to make a difference in this world, get busy being the version of you that makes you the most happy. Get busy doing the stuff in this world that lights you up. Because when you love what you're doing, you're going to be a blessing to everyone around you. And you're going to offer so much. If you're being called to do something, believe me, I'm not being called to do the things that you want to do necessarily. We all have a different whisper. There's something else in each one of us that wakes us up. And if you love it, and you start putting some hustle into it, you're going to make so much more money doing the thing you love than anything else because when you love something, the money will come because it will be so obvious to everyone around you that you are doing the thing you were meant to do. I wanted to just give a shout out to a few of the people who've been coming to the Facebook page, some of the listeners. I love hearing your stories. I love seeing that you're taking some action and you're feeling inspired. I'm cheering for you and I will be continuing to provide resources for you. Some of the people who've been posting, this guy, Kevin Levaya, if you're listening, he's a potter and he owns a studio in Tennessee and it burned down in the fires and he's continuing to go forward. I found that so inspiring. So Kevin, hats off to you. Keep doing your thing. Don't let anything stand in the way of continuing to rebuild and do what it is that you love. I love that you shared that with all of us. And people have been posting other types of questions, and I wanted to just sort of be a guide for you. So if you have questions, I'm going to do my best to answer when I can. So Jessica Duarte sent me an email, and she says she's a personal shopper, and she really wants to be a stylist, and she's gotten one little mention on a blog, and she wanted to get more attention. She said, Kathy, what do you think? How could I do it? And I said, Jessica... How about creating more content? You know, when you want more traffic and you want more people to know what you're doing, what can you do right now? What are three things you could do today to get more content created? So, you know, Jessica, I was thinking, like, could you call up a few friends and tell them that you would take them shopping and shoot a little video of sort of what you put together for them? Could you put together a blog of what you think the right colors are for the season or what What kinds of content can you be creating? Can you, can you shoot some funny YouTube videos of some mishaps and some fashion faux pas? The more that you are creating content, you will be the squeaky wheel. And then people will come to you and say, hey, could I feature that video on my blog about fashion? Could I feature you? Could I interview you? It's just incredible. The, the main thing I want you to take away from every episode is not only that you can do it and that it's possible and that there's evidence that people do it, it's that when you take action, you are going to be competing against no one else because most people aren't doing it. And so the sheer numbers of people you'll be competing with, it'll be so, so small. You will be a squeaky wheel and things I guarantee you will start to happen. All right, let's get started. I'm so happy to be sitting here with Elizabeth Karen. We've had so many people write in who are photographers who want to be, you know, making a living doing their photography. And I 
can't wait for you to hear her story because Elizabeth is somebody who quit her day job and she is now a huge success, um, making a living, taking photos of celebrities. She's on the cover of magazines. She had a billboard on Sunset. She is an example of how to be resourceful and how to keep showing up. And I can't wait for you to hear all the stuff she has to say because she's filled with knowledge, inspiration, and she's going to give you some great ideas. I just know it. So here we go. Elizabeth, it is so much fun to have you here. I always love being around you. I always feel so good after I leave being around you. So I'm so excited that everybody gets to hear your story. So welcome. Thank you. I'm very <laughs> excited to be here. <laughs> so what do you do? I'm an editorial advertising and fine art photographer. I specialize in portraits and entertainment. And you've had an incredible journey to get to where you are. It's been an interesting road. And you got there. You arrived. So we want to hear how you got there. So take us back to where that started. Mm. Well, if we want to go way, way back, I did take photography in high school. Okay. So that was always a passion as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I never thought that was something that would be a career. Never in my consciousness did I think that photography could be a job. Because you didn't think it was practical or you didn't think it would make money? Both. Right. (laughs) Both. My, you know, I come from a family of um, a lot of doctors and lawyers. And even though my mother's an artist, but she she was an artist, but she stopped after she had children. Yeah. So I just thought that was not something that was feasible. I also was a, I started acting when I was a kid and I just thought, you know, I I don't want to do an artistic job. It's too um, inconsistent. It's too unpredictable. I was a really good student. I wanted to put effort into something and make sure that I could succeed from the effort that I put in. And I thought anything too artistic or would be too difficult. Right. That makes sense. It's interesting that you had a father who's a doctor and a mom who's an artist, and then she gave that up, which is a common story. And I'm hoping through this podcast, people are going to start to realize that that doesn't have to be the story. And you're going to continue now to tell us how that was not indeed your story. So what happened (laughs) after that? So you took photography, you knew you loved it, and you decided, no way, this is not practical. So you're going to move on to something where you can actually see results, or so you think. Right. I have to say, I absolutely did not have a straight path in any way to photography. I had (laughs) many different careers before I became a photographer. I went to this marketing job at a studio, which is very glamorous. It's very exciting to be at a studio. They do tons of movies, and it was a big title. It was director of marketing. Not bad. Even though in reality I was still in a cubicle. But um, it was product placement, promotion, and I was miserable. Yeah. Miserable. It was very corporate, and I do not fit into a very corporate place. Even though I tried my Nothing hardest. Nothing about you is in the box, Elizabeth. <laughs> she has bright red hair and it's natural and she's adorable. And I tried really she's not hard. In that box. Yeah. I so really did. And so I got another job offer because I was really good at getting brands and putting them together with talent. And so I, so I was hired at this other company that was a marketing company, product placement marketing, and it was even worse. Every company kept getting oh worse God, and worse. That's amazing. But after three months. I said, okay, I, I definitely want to be a photographer. I can't take this anymore, but I don't want to have a short-term job again. After the three years, the other sure. short, the other, sure. the studio was really short. So I said, I have to stick with this for a year. I have to stick with this for a year just in case I need to make sure that I look like I can handle you right. know, a job for a okay. year. So I knew the whole nine months 
that I was going to leave at the end of the year. And I was preparing to be a photographer. So I took classes. What was finally that thing? Misery. You said, <laughs> okay. You were so, you got to the point where you were so uncomfortable. Yes. That you said, it doesn't matter what's going to happen. I yeah. have to go do the thing I, I have to do. do this. You know, I was also commuting two hours a day to a job that I couldn't stand. My boss was like uh, the Michael Scott in the office. It was, I'm not kidding. I, I didn't, I, we, ha, we were giving away free stuff, you know, to rich, famous people. That was my job. And it's not, like, and it's it, so it not was, you. It was soul crushing for me. Yeah. So yeah. I You're the just, girl who rescues dogs and <laughs> wants to make the world better. And you don't I want to give famous people. If you're doing a job that is, feels like it's crushing your soul and you're, you know, you can use any metaphor, suffocating or yeah. you feel like you have no meaning. Like, what am I doing so every day with it. my yeah. time? Yeah. Especially if, if you feel like you have an artist and you have something to say and you have a limit. It's like you have a limited amount of time on earth to say it. There's a time pressure you have to go do this now. Yeah. And there's a breaking point. There's just a breaking point, I feel like. It took me 10 years. Yeah. 10 years to feel like I can't do this yes, anymore. You have to be that uncomfortable in order to finally go and do the thing that really scares you. Yes. <laughs> really scares me. But what I did was I had this time to prepare. So, yes, I was working full time. And not only was I working full time, I had to do events at night. So I really had very little time. So this is good stuff. Because yeah. people are going to say, I can't do it because I don't have the time. You know, one of the things that's made my life a lot easier as a mom who's working and is figuring out how to delegate stuff. And one of the biggest things every day was where are the meals going to come from? How am I going to cook dinner tonight? And I wanted healthy stuff. I didn't want to just keep, you know, ordering in, you know, junk stuff and blue apron. You know, not all ingredients are created equal, but to get fresh, high-quality ingredients that taste better and they're better for you and knowing where your food is coming from, this is not true when you eat out. I mean, I order in so often because it's just like the low-hanging fruit. It's just the easiest thing to do, and it's not really healthy for my kids to eat burgers and fries every single night. Um, but this this experience already, I can tell when I was looking through their meals and the kinds of stuff they prepare, it's healthy, but it's also stuff that's interesting. It's stuff that my kids want to eat, um, and it's for less than $10 a meal, think of it, like they're going to deliver me recipes along with the proportioned ingredients and I'm going to look like a fabulous rock star. My husband's going to think I'm amazing. You know, I'm going to be serving up some amazing food and, you know, Blue Apron, they know how to give you something that tastes good, but it's also affordable. It's also high quality standards. You know, it's family run farms. It's fisheries and ranchers with real quality, high quality stuff, whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild caught Alaskan salmon, heirloom tomatoes. It's just the best stuff. And I think you guys are going to love it. So just go ahead, go to blueapron.com slash dream job and get your first free three meals and free shipping. And let me know if it tastes good. And let me know if you like it. And let me know if it's giving you more time doing your craft. You can be spending that time doing what you love. So yeah. So here you right. are, you're in the day doing your job and then you're at night doing events. Yeah. So how are you carving out that time? You know, I really look back and I don't know how I did it because I was married at the time. So at other, you know obligations, social obligations, and my family's here, but I took classes. You know, the thing is that photography made me feel most alive that, you know, I can never feel. Like, I don't have any concept of time when I'm shooting. I, you know, that they say, they talk about that zone that, you know, I mean, in that zone. So so nothing felt better. So, of course, that's what I want to do. So the thing is, you know, you have, there's time and resources, right, which are both hard to come by when when you're in that kind of situation. And I think anybody does what they have to to feel good, yeah. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's what was making me feel good. And that was, was fueling, 
my like existence was whenever I was shooting. So I took I took classes. I started talking to people. I kind of put feelers out there. And the thing is, I was hiring photographers too, so I could kind of see that side of things. I was hiring photographers for events. Yeah. So I said, oh, they make that much money, huh? Okay. So what happens? So you're building your, you're you're doing everything you can in your free time, and then what? And then I leave <laughs> my job, and it's really scary. Really scary. <laughs> um, but I got. Hired pretty much right away. My freelance first job was, when I think about it, ridiculous because all this, all the, okay, this is embarrassing, but I really didn't know what I was doing. I was shooting a lot on auto. Okay. okay. Like, I look back and I cannot believe that I did this, but I got a big job from a friend of mine who gave me a big break, huge break. And she had me do behind the scenes on an advertising shoot with celebrities and a huge director shooting. Interesting. It was in the desert. So I didn't have to worry about light. Okay. <laughs> so I was locked out. I was shaking. I was so nervous. Yeah. Because my first big job yeah. and there was, you know, a lot of pressure with these big celebrities and big production, big director shooting the ad. And it turned out great. And wow. it's launched my portfolio and it launched everything. And then it just started to build all the freelance jobs? Well, I started doing, you know, in photography, there's a ton of different kinds of photography. There's food photography, there's fine art photography, there's fashion, there's corporate. I mean, there's tons of different. And I did everything. I just decided I'm going to do everything. (laughs) I'm going to take every job. And so I did behind the scenes, which I was um, familiar with because having been in film production, if someone had a restaurant, I didn't know how to shoot food. I got a book, I got a tutorial. i practiced and I shot food. And if I got an event, I did an event. If I got children's pictures, I did children's. I mean, I basically am uh, portrait oriented. I really like people. Yeah. I'm not going to shoot cars. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to. You're not passionate no. about it. I did a little bit of products. They're, it's really frustrating. <laughs> I don't like products, but I did it and I did everything. So one of the things I did was behind the scenes on this on this show and what happened was, and this is, a, I guess, a good, a good story for people starting out. My friend called me and said, we're doing this web series. Um, we have no money. It's, everyone's doing it for nothing. And would you like to do the behind the scenes? And I said, I'd love to do the behind the scenes. Now, when you do behind the scenes photography, you need a, a sound blimp for your camera. It's this contraption that you put your camera in. It's, now they're better, but 15 years ago, they were not great. And <laughs> they were... It's the word sound blimp. It, it seems like a cumbersome thing, but maybe it's not. Well, it's a big box. Yeah. Um, that is pretty much soundproof with foam padding. So when you click, oh, no one hears, no one it. hears it. So yeah. it's on set when the camera's rolling. It's so quiet when the camera's rolling, you can hear a click of a yeah, camera. Sure. So it keeps it quiet. And it's very heavy and laborious. And I didn't have one because they're $1,000. So I said, can I do this job without having the blimp? And they said, okay, because, you know, it's a web series. And no, you know, we'll just let it make it work somehow. So I shot when they weren't filming. And then... Nine months later, my photo from that volunteer job landed in the New York Times. Wow. So that was my first big wow. public published I just got work. Chills. That's amazing. Yeah. And that was a free, you know, free job. And then I got and then when they got the financing, they said, Okay, we're gonna hire you full time to to be the behind the scenes. But because it was a web series, they were also doing a website. So it wasn't just behind the series, it was also all the content for the website. And it was and then that I also got to do the little ad that they had, which was my dream. My dream was to do ads for entertainment, for TV and film. It was called Quarter Life. And it was a web series that Marshall Herskovitz and Ed Zwick. It was the big, first big web series. And then wow. it was bought by NBC. Wow. So not only was that so exciting to have that job, 
But it also got me into the union, which yeah. is really difficult to get in. And it's the Cinematographer's Guild. And you have to work a certain amount of time, and people spend years getting in. And why I got in is because the show went from non-union to union. And then it went on NBC. And then they used my ad on NBC. Wow. <laughs> so then I'm in the union, so I started shooting a little bit of behind the scenes. At the same time, I got... Um, I was shooting, um, like I said, anything and everything I got hired for. And because there's a learning curve, too, so it worked even, you know, I was working on quarter-life, 12-hour days shooting, and then I had edit at night. Um, but when you love something, <laughs> but I was happy. that's the reason you can put in that time. Yeah, you I, could never have done that with marketing or PR. No. You didn't love it that way. And it takes, anything you're going to do is going to take that much stamina if you're going to be great. You can't afford to be good. You have to be amazing. So you have to love it. And you clearly... I mean, I couldn't ever spend 12 hours shooting a camera. Like, I don't love it that way. But I could be in the studio. It's like Disneyland for me. Yes. I get that. And I got tendinitis. And I was going through a divorce. And I was living at my mother's house. And I was so happy <laughs> because wow. I was doing for quote. after 10 years what I just loved doing. And I was so excited to go to work even though I had no sleep. And I was the happiest I had been in a really long time. It's almost like taking that chance changed everything because you started being authentic. Yes. And therefore, you made a lot of choices in your life because you started to feel like yourself. Yes. I totally get that. When I started writing music, I met my husband. And before I was writing music, I was working in a real estate firm. And we, him and I were friends, and we never would have dated because he's like, I thought you looked like a Times Square salesman, the way that you dressed. It's like, I couldn't even relate to you. And then once I started writing music, our conversations were just so different. And it's like, as soon as I became authentically myself, it was like the thing that changed. Every, it was the ripple effect, you know. So can I read this very famous Joseph Campbell quote? Yes. Okay, so this was in front of me. Your handwriting is so beautiful, oh, too. Oh, that's very You're sweet of you. Okay. Well, this was in front of me. From the beginning, like I always had this right at my computer, at my desk every day. Okay, go ahead. If you do follow your bliss, you put yourself on a kind of track that has been there all the while waiting for you. And the life that you ought to be living is the one you're living. You begin to deal with people who are in the field of your bliss and they open doors to you. I say, don't be afraid and follow your bliss and doors will open where you didn't know they were going to be. That's incredible. And it was really true. That says it all. It was really true. And you always had had that. I put that in front of me every day because, you know, it's tough. It's really tough. It's not. That's what you were doing. I mean, here you are following your bliss and you were showing up and you were saying yes. And next thing you know, you get offered something and a lot of people would have said, no, what's in it for me? And there's no money. And you say, yes, follow your bliss. And that leads you to the New York Times. That is just, it's, but it takes that courage without, and it's that Dr. King quote about, you know, you take the step before you know where the staircase leads. You just keep going. Right. So that's what you're doing. And, and that led you to your greatest break, first great break, I should <laughs> yeah. say, because yeah. the story gets a lot better. I know where she's at now. So let's keep going because I want to get them to all these incredible okay. magazine covers that you're doing now and everything else. Um, well, I, mean, I just think it's really important to also be open and tell people where you are and what you're looking for. It's very, it was very hard for me. I don't like asking people for help. I really yeah. don't. Yeah, I don't you're like... much more vulnerable and you exactly. have to ask. Yeah. But, you know, when I did, doors did open. These opportunities did happen. So so from this, so many things were happening at once. I was just, oh, big, big deal. Like, I needed to take a lot of technical classes. And I also went to uh, Los Angeles Center for Photography, which was Julia Dean back in the day. And I cannot still believe today what I got to do. They had classes and workshops, these three-day workshops with some of my 
like hero photographers. Like I got to actually be with them for three days learning from them. That's incredible. Um, How did you know to even apply to this? Someone told you about it or you were researching it? So much research. Kathy, I did so much research. I was so, I was going to every lecture, you know, I looked up uh, APA, ASMP, every lecture class I could take because I wasn't going back to school officially. So I had to learn when I could. So I took, I basically got my education from Los Angeles Center for Photography from both technical classes and then these incredibly inspiring classes. I got to spend three days with Mary Ellen Mark. She is one of the greatest legends of female photographers. And um, I spent, I got to have a class with Frank Ockenfels and Art Stryber. Those are the two most successful photographers in their field. And it's exactly what I want to do, entertainment photography. That's so incredible. For three days, you know, yeah. it's pretty, it was pretty remarkable. But you were leaving no stone unturned. You were doing right. all this research and you were just doing everything you possibly could do with your own time, with your own energy. You were, you were just doing it all. Right. I applied to a workshop when I started out. And in fact, my husband at the time was my boyfriend. He's like, you should apply to this. It was an ASCAP writer's workshop. I said, they're not going to pick me. They only pick 14 people. And sure enough, I had the courage. It was scary to even try. And I, I was in this workshop and Similarly, they had us spend time with Hal David. Like, you know, he used to work with Burt Bacharach. They had us spend time with Cara DeGuardi, Linda Perry. It was just incredible. I was like sitting in Linda Perry's studio, wow. like listening to her talk about how she wrote the song Beautiful, Christina, Christina Aguilera, and everything she's done with James Blunt. I'm like, just by going for things, it's incredible how doors will just open. Like you said, it's that quote. So keep going from okay. there. So I'm taking classes. You you take classes and then you have to practice what you've learned. And so, you know, it's a combination of finding people to photograph or people who need photography. And that's really important. I'd say one of the most important things is to do your own own projects. Yeah. Constantly. Don't wait constantly for opportunities. Create content as much as you can create. Keep honing your craft. Keep working on it. Find a subject and shoot them. 100%. Okay. Um, And, you know, you can be selective. You can pick people who inspire you. You don't have to just do anyone. (laughs) You know, <laughs> you can put an ad on, you know, whatever, Craigslist or Instagram and say, I'm, right. I'm happy to shoot people. But then when they come to you, you can also choose, oh, this person right. looks inspiring to me. That's actually so smart. That gives me an idea for photographers because it's like, who wouldn't want free photos? Right. So you could reach out to somebody who probably you're inspired by. Right. Would you allow me to take photos? I'll give them to you. Like, who wouldn't want that? Well, I did that, actually. And it was extremely beneficial. Yeah. Smart. And by the way, everyone has a website. Everyone needs photos. Yeah. If you were into, you it's know, true. whatever product, portraits, it's everyone true. needs photos. So there's unlimited resources in terms of building your portfolio and, and practice and experience, which everyone needs. Also, you can, when you're doing it for free, you can do what you want. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I always, always am so conscientious of delivering a product to someone that they'll be happy. I really want, you know, I want to please them. I want them right. to be but happy. But it can be win-win and you can do something right. you're trying to try because you're doing, giving them your time. You know, I always say, number one, I'm going to give someone what they want, the client, even if it's a, you know, a trade, it's not a paid job. I'm going to give the client what they need and what they want. And then I'm going to do what I want. And because then you have more freedom and you can flex your wings and you can experiment, which is so important because the other quote that I, and I'm going to paraphrase, but I think it was Frank Ockenfels who told me in his workshop if you're not constantly making mistakes, you're dying as an artist. Yeah. You have to always, always keep doing something new every single time. I try for every shoot to do one little new thing just to push myself Gotta a little bit. get out bit. of your comfort zone. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the reason people aren't even doing their craft all the time is because they don't want to make a mistake. But editing right. and creating are different parts of the brain. Yeah. So allowing yourself to play 
be messy is really important. And it was really, it's also really difficult for me because I'll be, I would be in the middle of shooting going, oh, that's stupid. That's a stupid idea. Don't do that. That's a stupid idea. I would edit myself while I was oh, shooting. I, have, I think every creative, yeah, we, we have <laughs> Which that. is terrible. You it's not, to yeah, of... you have to let that go or like just tolerate it until it goes away. So okay. then what happens? Um, I was doing all these different, different kinds of photography. So I was doing the behind the scenes. I did another TV show. It was my best friend in the world. She's a writer. She sold 10 shows. First one to get made after, you know, 10 years. It was a TV show, but it was low budget. And again, no budget for photography, right. um, which happens a lot. Right. So I said, yeah, you're my best friend. I want to spend the day with you on, your, on the first day of your TV show. How exciting. And that photo that I took, and I actually, when we were in the middle of the scene, I said, can we take one more? Is there any way? Like, f- photographers aren't allowed to really tell production, can you take right, one more right, take? Right, right. But, I, but what happened is this, little, this girl is, is crossing a hallway, and people keep going in front of her. So yeah. it's almost impossible to get, get the, the one shot. second yeah. where she has the right emotion, and there's not someone in front of her. And I said, I really think this is an important shot for you, because I really think this tells the story. It encapsulates the story. Can we do it one more time? They said, we don't have time, we don't have time, we don't have time. I got one frame from that day where someone's not somehow in front of her or her eyes are closed or whatever. And that frame became the poster, the number one symbolic key art advertising for this show called Awkward. That was on MTV. Oh, my gosh. Of course yeah. I know that show. And later, of course, I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. So that was a really big moment. But, you know, again. But again, you were was going that extra mile. You know, even though you weren't being paid, it's like, can't, no, I'm so passionate about making sure that I give this my all. How many people can say that they do that, especially if they're not getting paid? But that it's incredible because th- that, there's that quote, the extra mile, go the extra mile, there's never crowded there. You know what I mean? Like, because most people don't do that, show up when they're not getting paid and then right. want to make the most of it. Right. You're going to wind up standing out. You know, you take a chance. You well, you know, there's a lot of factors. I knew it was really good. The show was really good. I was my best friend who's doing it. Um, but it was a pilot. I didn't know if it would ever get picked wow. up. So that was a big deal that I got my that I got yeah, that. It's that willingness to do it all without having the someone giving you the certainty that something's going to come and having that courage. Right. And so, what is it? It's one day. You know, it, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. So that was great. And then I was on, on that show and then um, as a still photographer and that was great. Such an inspiring story. <laughs> I don't know if you realized, but now that you're telling it, I have a feeling you'll be telling this story a lot. Keep going. You know, I have to be honest, everything's such a blur. I can't remember the order of things. But um, I got to be friends with a lot of the actors on the show because we're sitting around, you know, and I ended up shooting all of them like individually in these creative fun shoots. And building my portfolio. They got photos. We, you know, had a good time, got to be really creative. See, that's also interesting to me because even now when you were getting jobs in between, you weren't waiting to shoot until you got a job. You're still honing your craft. I feel like there's a a level where people are like, all right, now, I mean, people with me all the time, because I'm also an agent, I pitch artist songs. They'll send me a record and then they'll wait around for a year and say like, well, what, what did you do with it? I'm like, you need to keep creating music just because you made five good songs on an EP. Like, keep going. That's not always the case. Well, I have to say, in my portfolio, people have much better reactions to my personal work than paid work. Because when it's paid work, you're probably doing 60 to 70% of the client's vision. Sure. And then 30% of your vision. When it's your personal project, it's 100% your vision. Yeah. So it's more authentic. It usually 
is more engaging. And so, you know, I've shot some very big celebrities, but I've had limited amount of time or resources or creative flexibility. So those aren't as interesting a photo as the ones that I've had. What's so exciting about that is that's something you actually have control over. Like you're saying that's something you get your, you know, some of your best reaction. You can go and people who are listening could go and shoot their own work. You don't have to. That's what's so incredible about the whole thing is like you actually have control over the thing that's gotten you some of your best reactions. Okay. So continue to, to, to march on. So then what happens? I did a film, which was great. It had an incredible cast. And Awkward was, I did the second season and they wanted me to come back for the third season. And I realized I, through this film, I met an actress who was on a, on a hit TV show and she needed some new editorial photos. This is what happens a lot in Hollywood. Actors are constantly needing new photos. A lot of publications don't have budgets. So the actors themselves or their publicists arrange for photo shoots. Interesting. So that they have these photos to give to magazines. Yeah. They don't always want to pay the photographer. Mm. Sometimes they'll pay photographers. I, I actually have a lot of clients that way. But sometimes they say, well, I'm the celebrity. You get to have me in my, your book. Mm. Access to talent is very difficult. Right. So in exchange for having access to me, you know, I, I like the photos. And so the, you can also make an arrangement where, okay, you can have a certain amount to give out to magazines, and I want a certain amount to sell the magazines. That's so through cool. a syndication agency like Contour or Getty. That's, See, that, that's also an incredible um, tool that people can use because right. you're, you're figuring out ways to be resourceful and finding ways to, to do work where it's win-win. I remember when I was starting out – I was paying producers to produce my music. And then it got to a point where I was like, I don't want to keep spending $2,000 every time I go in the studio. And so could I do something where I would allow a producer to own a piece of the recording, but then also I would get to own a piece and therefore not have to pay as much up front. You start realizing that you can do whatever it is, that you can be resourceful and figure it out. And that is such an incredible angle. I mean, that makes so much sense. So you would sell some, they would get to keep some, everybody wins. I mean, it's speculative, right? Nothing's guaranteed. Right. You don't know if you're going to sell. Yeah, but why not? But at Try least it. you have an opportunity right. to. So I um, shot this actress. We did this big shoot. And it ended up being bought by a magazine who has now hired me for six, almost seven years to shoot their covers. What is it? Who's the, can oh, it's you tell not, us? It's, it's a Canadian magazine called Viva. But, who are um, some of the celebrities you shot for the covers? Oh. Well, the best was, in my opinion, the best was Serena Williams, um, yeah, which she's led a force. Yeah, which led to a couple other magazine covers that were bought afterwards. So that was like wow, incredible. what an experience! Oh, that was really talk incredible. about working on your game, man. She like <laughs> continues to wake up early and practice her swing. It's like why would she even need to? But she keeps going. She's one of the most inspiring women in the world, and also. I thought of her as like a Greek goddess. I thought yeah. she, because she's so graceful too. She, yeah, it is so incredible. Ha- she is really graceful. And she was so dancing strong. in the shoot. Yeah. You know, it was, she's wow. incredible. I mean, there's so many. I've shot like 35 covers for them. So I'm thinking of all the fabulous What's women I got three to shoot. Or four? I, well, I love Jamie Alexander, who's on Blind Spot. She was one of my favorites. Kristen Bell was amazing. Wow. She was amazing. You know, sometimes you get an actor who's just so fun. They just give so much and you have the best experience. You're communicating through the lens. You're having a dialogue through the lens and it's just like a fun time. Um, Cynthia Nixon was pretty amazing. I got to tell her how much she inspired me. And, and she's we... got red hair too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I feel you probably have like an instant bond with people who also have red hair, right? There's yeah, like shot- this magic. You're like, we are the same. I was very excited to shoot Rochelle Lefebvre because she has long red hair. Um, and uh, Giada De Laurentiis. And uh, I love Angie Harmon. She was fantastic to shoot. Fun. And um, so many powerful women who are like owning their space. And that's yeah. so inspiring. So yeah, so that was so that was a six year. I mean, from that probably another huge huge break, but again for free, and then it all it, led it to all a lot out. of. And yeah. so what happened was I had to make a decision whether I was still going to do behind the scenes. Oh, I also was shooting behind the scenes for uh, through friends through networking. Um, I was introduced to Associated Press, and I started shooting for InStyle Magazine behind the scenes at Sundance Film Festival. They have a lounge and portrait studio, and at the Toronto Film Festival. Um, and I did wow. that about five or six times. Talk about proximity to where you need to be, and you were just right there. So those are all behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I really, my passion is portraits, where right. you get to actually have a that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's only one moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I recently did a, a shoot where I had six minutes, but she was such, it was with, with Amy Adams, and she was... All these so redheads. incredible. Wow. She was so incredible that Elizabeth, she's like the actress of the moment. That's amazing. But she was so she gave so six much minutes. in six minutes. She she gives so much to, of herself in that six minutes that like it was one of the best six minutes I've ever had with a person. So, you know, it's a give and take. You can be as prepared as you can as a photographer, but if someone right. doesn't want to give you anything, yeah. it's excruciating. And when you get someone who gives so much and is also gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't hurt. It's like the most exhilarating experience because you're creating something together. And, you know, it doesn't matter how much time you have. I only had a very short amount of time with Frank Gehry. And he doesn't have time for these things. <laughs> he has a lot of things. To, you, think? He, you know, he has he doesn't have time for photo shoots. He's got, you know, he's the most influential architect in the world, you yeah. know. Yeah. And yet we had our few minutes and I, he gave and we created something. So to me, that's magic. You know, of all the other jobs that are, you know, you do for money, those are the most special ones. You know, they stand out. That's what motivates you to keep going when you're doing jobs that are not fun. Because <laughs> there and are jobs you... that are not fun. Okay, so where where are you at right now? Just so we can really spell it out for people. We've talked about this whole journey. So here you are now, and you're shooting celebrities for covers of magazines. I saw you had a billboard on Sunset Boulevard. Did you not? That was a huge, that was huge for me. What was yeah, that? That was my dream job, and that was for the show Hannibal which was an NBC and Sony yeah. job production. And, you know, we shot in Toronto on the set, which was a m- magical set. It would look like a, an Italian cathedral. And we it was a long, long day. And, you know, we did like 30 different setups. And I was couldn't have been happier in my life than that day um, because it was so theatrical. I love theatrical jobs. I love anything theatrical and dramatic and coming from the theater and film background. I just, anything that's um, telling a huge story. I love that. You know, I'll tell you a funny story about that. (laughs) I was driving on Sunset Boulevard and I was looking at all these billboards as I was driving and I was so depressed. (laughs) I thought, I'm never, ever going to get there. I'm never, ever going to have a billboard. This is my dream. I'm never going to, it's never going to happen. And I was at a red light, and I saw the Hannibal billboard. They didn't tell you? No one told me. And I literally thought I was completely hallucinating. (laughs) So I, like, rubbed my eyes, and I'm like, wait, what? And I took a picture of it to make sure that it was real. And I looked down on my phone. I was like, what? 
<laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, 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 I felt like I was absolutely hallucinating because oh it was God, right after that. Um, so, yeah, no, no one told me. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't know. So how do you feel now when you show up in those moments and you're on set? Do you feel scared? Or do you feel ready? Oh, you're, you... I'm always a little nervous. I do as much, you know, Art Stryber said, you, you have to be incredibly prepared and incredibly flexible. Those are the two things that are, and I, I take things very seriously into heart when I hear these gems of wisdom from people who are doing what I'm dreaming about doing. I research people. I look at their work. I look at their career. You know, I say, you know, gosh, how did they do that? You know, I try to um, reverse engineer yeah, where they got. Absolutely. So, so what's next for you? Elizabeth Karen? <laughs> well, obviously still doing entertainment and I want to do a lot, you know, as money um, ads for TV and film. And I'm also still doing my fine art and um, actually in a show in London right now. And Art Palm Springs um, is actually using one of my photos right now for ad- advertising their show in February. Come on. That's so, amazing. <laughs> yes. And that was, again, my own personal fine art shoot that who knew? It's also going to be, a, it's a series called Double Identity. And it's a take on film noir, but it shows in the film noir genre, there were very strong archetypes. Men and women had very specific roles. Men had either the tough guy or the hapless sack who was like vulnerable to the, to the femme fatale. And for women, they were either, it was either the femme fatale, who all her power was based on her sexuality, or um, the housewife who was looked down as and had no options. So they're also, you can only be heterosexual. <laughs> so um, my take on this the film noir is what there were other relationships and other oh, kinds of, of people happening and i did these color like they look like film stills but in color to um that's so to demonstrate cool. that what an incredible idea so yeah that on its head and now it's going to be a billboard in the month of photography la oh downtown on the projected on this big screen so you're there so but the point is that that's my own work that was just you know i passion project came up with the idea got the hair makeup stylist actors paid for the production you don't know what's going to happen. You have to like kind of have faith that something, yep. someone's going to get here. to see it. That's been a theme here, <laughs> you know? like taking that leap, having that. It takes right. so much courage. Yes. So what were some of the things from your other day jobs that you wouldn't have guessed would help you where you are, to be where you are now? But what were some of those things that, that have helped you? I, I have to say everything has helped. You never know where some knowledge you never thought would be helpful is going to be extremely helpful. Being in the entertainment industry for 10 years, I had like had the knowledge of the framework of um, the politics of the industry, yeah. how to interact with people, what roles people had, um, hierarchy, a lot of the politics, basically. So you were learning not to take things personally and you had to play that game. Yes. Coming from the other end as a client, knowing what to expect as a client helped me prepare as the vendor as the service provider, I knew what a client needs. So I always wanted to look at a job and say, in the end, what does the client need and how can I give them more than what the client needs? Yeah. Because I want to stand out. Yep. And I also want them to be happy. Yep. And I mean, they don't always tell you what the budget is, but having the background, knowing what budgets are, knowing when they're serious that they don't have it and knowing when they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, because I worked with, I had worked with some very big brands. And I knew some of these huge brands didn't have the budget. Right. They just didn't. So, so you know how to be generous, but you also know how to not get taken for granted. Right. Very, Which is hard yeah. as a freelance artist. It's yep. very difficult yeah, to know. Yeah, I get that in my business. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't don't share what they're making with you. So you don't know what the current common you know fees yep, are. I can relate to that. You know, some common sort of practices 
you know, show up early. Always show up early. You never know what kind of detour is going to be put in your path. So show up early so you're not late. Have integrity. Make sure that you're doing the best job you can possibly do. Yeah. Present present your final product in a professional way. I always make sure my communication is very formal. Not everyone does that, but I'm always very formal from my days when I would get in trouble if the staple wasn't right on the presentation. Right. So the attention to detail. Absolutely. Yeah. When I was an actor, well, I started acting when I was five, really. I got an agent when I was 12. I went on auditions. I had um, I had other people's stage moms trying to psych me out before an audition oh, yeah, yeah. when I was 12 years old. That's terrible. <laughs> then I went to theater school, you know, training with like classic Shakespeare training with actors. And I had a lot of friends who were from, you know, small towns. Midwest had no idea how Hollywood works. I was trying to explain to them the business side. And, you know, some people don't want to even hear it because it's too intimidating. I have tremendous respect for all artists. I have tremendous respect for actors. I think it's so hard to be an actor. Music is the one art form that I feel is the farthest away from me. I cannot understand the magic of music and how people (laughs) create music. It blows my mind. I also don't understand it. Like you go in and you come out and you're like, what, what happened? But But I don't get what you do. I could never take a picture like that. Yeah. Visual arts is easy to me, but music, I don't understand. And acting, you know, it's, it's tough. And, but you know, you think, okay, I'll tell you a good antidote. I was talking to the gallerist I'm with. The gallerist has a really good friend. She's a scientist, and she's at a major university, and she just got tenure. And I said, oh, God, you know, I'm complaining. Being an artist is so difficult. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much rejection all the time. All you are doing is being rejected every day, right? Putting yourself out there. And she said, are you crazy? Do you know what's full of rejection and uncertainty? Science. And yeah. I said, what are you talking about it's science? True. And she said, you have no idea what it takes as a scientist. You have to ha- write these papers. Your peers review them. You know, she, you're trying to get tenure. It's competitive against everyone else. There's politics. And she's a woman. She said, a lot of men don't want women to be in their field. They'll review your papers poorly. But I couldn't believe when she said, are you kidding the most, you know. You think it, no, because you think of science as something you can measure, something that you right. can like. You know, it's math. You can bank on that. And I'd have to also say to listeners, um, and I have some specific advice too, but, you know, I was so worried about leaving my day job. I was so worried about leaving this, quote unquote, secure job. It was never secure. I I wasn't under contract. These were at-will jobs. And I was constantly looking for my next job at the start of my new job. Right. Even, you know, I was never feeling secure. You're always thinking, you know, who knows what the new management's going to do. It's true. I never felt a real sense of security. So I thought, you know, what's the, if I'm going to have to feel this insecure feeling, yeah. this unsettling feeling that who knows where my next job's going to be, I might as well do what I love. What you love. Exactly. So everything, you know, grass is always greener. There's pros and cons to everything. I definitely would say you may not have to have your day job. You can find other jobs, too, within your field sometimes you know, that can bring you money. It may not be exactly what you want to do. You may, you may want to be a fine artist, but you can shoot babies and headshots right. and, and families. And enjoy getting to do your craft. And get paid. Right. And pay for the equipment, which is outrageously expensive all the time. And you're constantly having to buy new cameras and new software and new computers and lights, and they're ridiculously expensive. So 
you know, whatever, whatever creative ways you can find to make an income while you're trying to do the thing you want to do is okay. You don't have to have a job that you hate while you're doing it. Right. So where can people find you, Elizabeth? Where can they follow you online? Where can they find your work? Well, my website portfolio is uh, ecarenphoto.com. That's E-C-A-R-E-N-P-H-O-T-O.com. And that's also my Instagram, ecarenphoto. Cool. You're incredibly effervescent, brilliant, <laughs> kind, generous, and I have no doubt that the rest of this story is just going to continue to unfold in amazing ways, no doubt. Thank you. So I can't wait to continue to hear. But you, I mean, you're already there, and it took tremendous courage, and this was so, so inspiring to listen to. Well, I have to say, your podcasts are so inspiring for me now. Oh, come on. They, you're they, there. No, they are so, so nice. they are so inspiring. For, I mean, I wish I would have had that when I was starting out 10 me years too. ago. <laughs> I really, 10 years ago, that would have been something I'd listen to over and over and over again. But today, still, I mean, it never, it never ends. The journey never ends. You're still challenging yourself. Right. You still have higher peaks you want to reach. As an artist, you're never 100% satisfied. Yeah, and you have a lot to you, say, you know? right? You started yeah. out by saying that if you're going to be on this planet, you have a lot to say. you got to go. The time is short. Right. And I'm sure you have a lot more to say. Thank you so much, Kathy. Elizabeth, thank you so much. That was so incredibly inspiring. Here's some of the takeaways, the big highlights that I got out of what you said. There was a lot of good stuff there. Number one, do the research. Number two, tell people what you want to do. Number three, you can work for free and still make money. Number four, what does the client need and how can I give them more? Number five, if you're not constantly making mistakes, you're dying. And the last one, present your final product in a very professional way. So thank you guys. You're awesome. Thank you for subscribing on iTunes for all the reviews. It's incredible. So touching and really makes all the difference. If you like what you're hearing, please continue to subscribe and tell your friends, your artist friends, your creative friends, tell them to subscribe and listen and join us on Facebook at Don't Keep Your Day Job and post, post what you want to do, what you, where you want to be in a year, what your goals are. We will continue to be a resource for one another and help each other get there. I want to give a shout out to the amazing team who makes this show possible. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. 